So the finale of Obi-Wan Kenobi is now on Disney+, Plus, but did it end off the series in a satisfying manner? We'll find out in this spoiler review. Hey everyone, welcome back to Movie Morning. Today I'm going to be talking about Obi-Wan Kenobi Episode 6, the finale titled Part 6. These episodes don't really have titles, but... I am going to be talking about this episode in spoiler-filled fashion. Before I do, I will give you guys my quick thoughts. Non-spoiler version if you haven't seen the episode, but you want to quickly hear how the episode is. And then I will get into my full spoiler thoughts and break down all the little Star Wars cameos and Easter eggs and everything that you might have missed in here. But this is, of course, the finale to Obi-Wan, obviously. And overall, I have to say that when it came to this episode, no spoilers yet, this was a decent enough ending to a very disappointing series. As you probably noticed, if you've been listening to all my reviews, I've been getting pretty much less enthusiastic about this show by the week. And I've liked it, and my opinion on it, despite some decent episodes have gone, has pretty much lowered each and every episode because... It's just, it feels so clunky and felt so much like they were just making it up as they go along, which seems to be Lucasfilm's new thing because I had the exact same feeling while watching Book of Boba Fett as well as uh, the sequel trilogy. So it really seems like there's a pattern with Disney Star Wars that I really don't like that I'm seeing. And the most disappointing part is that this isn't just any other franchise. It's not even Star Trek. Like, you can complain about Star Trek all you want, but the reality is it's not a global franchise like Star Wars or the MCU is. And it's so disappointing that one of, if not, the, if not like the second biggest franchise out there, is being treated this way. And when it came to this episode, I will say it was one of the better episodes of the show, if not potentially, I wouldn't say the best episode, but definitely one of the episodes that I enjoyed watching the most, if not only for very specific sequences. And I think overall it comes down to that this episode had some really great memorable moments that episodes like five, episodes four, and episodes two didn't really have. So that, I guess that's where it really comes down to. So I guess that's why this episode is definitely one of the better episodes in my opinion, but it's still not all that good. I think overall it was an okay, or even fun episode to watch but there are definitely things in it that really do drag it down particularly involving one character and i'll talk about that in just a minute now let's get into spoilers and talk about this whole episode so so the first thing we get in this episode we see obi-wan deciding to separate himself from roken who's the leader of the resistance here although i'm sure you didn't notice that until this episode and the ship that they're on and separate from Leia and Haja and all the other characters we've met in this series and go off and fight Vader alone. Now, initially, we think this is just to get Vader and the Star Destroyers away from uh, these group of rebel bandits. We've been helping the Jedi, but we pretty much come to find out that Obi-Wan himself wants to do this and wants to face Vader and kind of resolve his issues, move along. And take out Vader once and for all. Although the way it kind of wraps up is just weird. Which we'll get into a bit later. And we pre- he pretty much decides to just leave Leia with Hadra. Now this was the first bad sign in the episode to me. Because he did something similar in last week's episode. But that was more just him trusting him to at least just look out for her. This episode is com- completely... The return of Leia to Alderaan completely hinges on a, f- on a pretender Jedi who... This show hasn't even sold would want would sold me on him wanting redemption, 
returning the Princess of Alderaan to Alderaan. And I just could not buy that Obi-Wan... I mean, he might do it. I don't know. But I would never buy that Obi-Wan would, would trust Haja to do this and return him to Bail Organa. I mean, this is the offspring of Anakin Skywalker. This was the first thing in the episode that I just could not get on board with right off the bat. But at least it was very clear that they were setting up Obi-Wan versus Darth Vader and not what I was extremely concerned about, and that is Obi-Wan versus Weeva. And we do kind of, we do get into that side of the storyline much later in the episodes. This episode took a very weird approach to concluding the story because I kind of assumed, along with everyone else, that everything would kind of just culminate on Tatooine. And while it kind of does in many degrees, the true climax of this show doesn't and it just happens on this random planet that we don't even learn the name of and we get what we've kind of been waiting for the whole series although we kind of already got in episode three and that is and that is uh obi-wan versus vader now before we do so i have to say that we get obi-wan and first the star destroyers and obi-wan are uh following um and as well as the grand inquisitor who's completely wasted in this show was was actually following the ship. And then once Obi-Wan gets this escape pod, kind of just detachment ship, and leaves and goes to this other planet next to the where they're heading to, the Star Obi-Wan, I mean Vader, orders the Star Destroyer and the Imperial Generals to turn the ship toward Obi-Wan. Now this makes sense with this character. He's very, very impulsive and he's also very he's very centered on Obi-Wan Kenobi and doesn't really care about anything else if we really come down to it and we get him following and that made sense to me but then while we're traveling there vader pretty much says separate um i'm gonna go get my ship and leave and firstly he uses an imperial shuttle and i think it was made clear in a new hope that his ship is just a tie fighter a more advanced tie fighter so i found it sort of odd that we they they showed an imperial shuttle leaving but i don't know that was just me although that was the imperial shuttle was the ship that got Anakin Skywalker out of the burning fire in Revenge of the Sith when all his limbs were just coming off. So, again, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just a different part of the timeline. That's what we get. But I will say the effects in this episode did look much better. I actually really liked the way the Star Destroyer looked. Now, again, it did look very artificial, unlike the original trilogy. It didn't seem like they used miniatures, and or they didn't just use, like, models. It felt definitely a bit more CG, but I will say... It felt like they kind of just saved their budget for this final episode, which is why the rest of it just looks sort of odd. But I found it kind of odd that the even though Vader used his own ship, the Star Destroyer still didn't follow Roken and his crew. And because of that, if, if, if it implies that it didn't, it just makes no sense because there's no reason for a Star Destroyer to be, to be waiting there unless they knew Vader was going to lose, which I felt like they couldn't really know considering Vader had beaten Obi-Wan so easily before. And this episode does kind of imply when Obi-Wan and Vader first meet on that planet that um, Vader left him so he could get stronger and have a more worthy fight. And speaking of the Obi-Wan versus Darth Vader fight, let's talk about that. And I will say the first, the only complaint I have about this entire sequence was the lighting. It was, this entire show has been really badly lit, especially in nighttime sequences. It kind of felt like, like, I know they're shooting on the volume, but it kind of feels like if you're just running out of daylight, and they're like, let's quickly get a scene and kind of rush through it. And they're doing it on the volume, which is why I think it's so bizarre that they've chosen to set the most memorable sequences of the show, the sequences everyone's been waiting for at nighttime. I think it would work fine if 
it looked, if, if they were able to light it in a way that really highlighted the characters and showed, and it was a bit easier to see. But the only reason we could see it was because of lightsabers, and to that degree, that's the effect of it. But there have been other scenes in the show in the dark where I just have had no idea what's going on. And I will say I didn't like that, but overall I have to say that I actually did really like this fight. And it was a very satisfying fight. I wouldn't call it the rematch of the century or anything like people were tweeting out yesterday, but this was a satisfying fight for my for anyone who was waiting for the Obi-Wan versus Vader rematch. And this fight did leave me pretty satisfied as a Star Wars fan. And I guess that's all it really needed to do, to be honest. And we get them fighting, we see some really cool moves. There's some very memorable shots, especially when their lightsabers clash. And it's kind of a still freeze frame that you can kind of just take. Really like that. But then we get Obi-Wan trapped under a massive set of rocks as Vader just gets the upper hand on him for a particular sequence and drops him below beneath the certain beneath the ground and traps him under a set of rocks and then we kind of get that classic hero's journey moment which in this story is kind of in many ways being been a journey of rediscovery for obi-wan pushing the rocks up and him getting out of there and then getting out and then starts to go back in on darth vader and the fight continues and we get him just absolutely destroying vader and it's just him going full on back in a Jedi. And it's very reminiscent of the end of the fight of Revenge of the Sith, if not even more, as Darth Vader's been so blinded by him facing his master that he was just not ready for him to come back this strong. And then there was Obi-Wan slashes him in the back. I almost felt like he cut like part of his arm, although that's not what happened, kind of what this looks like. And we get him slashing through the middle of his, of his cowl, his helmet. And then we see inside Anakin Skywalker. And this entire little section was my favorite thing about this whole episode, if not the whole show. Because this is the only time in the show that I've actually loved the way it was lit. I love the way that the blue and red uh, lightsaber, lightsabers used to light the scene were kind of flashing in and out. We're kind of switching on his face, kind of showing the duality of Darth Vader and Anakin Skywalker and how he's kind of being pulled by two sides of the force. I absolutely loved the way they showed this. And though I even loved the dialogue in this scene and how Vader even says, you know, that Vader killed Anakin and not um, Obi-Wan. I mean, and Obi-Wan really learns here that Anakin is his friend's truly gone. And this is just a random Sith Lord, pretty much, who killed his friend, but his friend is no longer there. And then we get... Um, Obi-Wan just straight up leaving, which I thought was sort of odd, doesn't do anything. It was kind of reminiscent to episode three, it almost episode three of the show. It almost felt like Obi-Wan noticed that Vader let him go, so he's just repaying the favor. And then the show kind of just ends with Vader, or at least with Darth Vader's side on this, in this section of him just yelling out Obi-Wan, which kind of reminds me of when Darth Maul yells out Kenobi on Rebels. I'm sure you guys know what I'm talking about, but we get... Obi-Wan just leaving Vader, and I'm like, I don't think you might, you'll might you want to be leaving a Sith Lord just in the room here. And I thought that was sort of a strange character choice and another baffling writing choice, which I feel like they didn't really explain. And they've been kind of trying to imply that these guys don't really want to kill each other because they were once friends or that they want the other to get to their strength. But I don't think it's been shown very well at all. And I think this has been one of my bigger problems is that there's just so many weird choices 
But I will say when it comes to the fight itself, it was very satisfying. And I especially loved the way Obi-Wan, I actually loved Obi-Wan and Vader's talk towards the end. And then we flash back to Tatooine and we get, or at least we've been Tatooine the whole episode, but I've just been talking about this. We get Reva looking for Uncle Owen so that he can go attack Luke. And we even get Beru and Aunt Beru and Uncle Owen pretty much setting up for their own little home alone defending mission. And we get them kind of being, going on the perimeter, having their blasters ready. And firstly, I just love Joel Edgerton as Uncle Owen. I love seeing him in the show. And it's been such a crime how little he's been used. But I just love the presence he brings as Owen. Owen always had a presence in A New Hope. And I really feel it here with Joel Edgerton. I thought it was really cool to see him. And we get Reva attacking their home. We have some really nice moves. Owen even taking advantage of, you know, her injuries that she sustained last week. And we get Reva ending up forcing Luke out of his little hiding spot they put him in. And Luke heading out to the sands of Tatooine and to the Dune Sea. And then we just get Reva chasing chasing through Tatooine to find him. And I thought this was a bit of an odd sequence. Like, you have a desert completely in the dark, and yet she's able to find him. I mean, I'm sure she has the force, obviously. But I still think there were other ways to do this that were well, was a bit less unconvincing. But here we get to by far the worst part of the episode, and that's that Reva is pretty much redeemed and chooses to bring back Luke to Owen and Brood just in time for Obi-Wan to arrive, by the way. How coincidental. And the worst part of the show has been this character. And I think the problem here is that she really almost felt like an after, 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 afterthought to the show. There wasn't any real wrap-up with her here. Obi-Wan just says to her, the classic, you know, what matters is the choices you make now and where, what she decides to do. And she kind of just turns. And I would just like to point out how Reva has killed probably hundreds of people. And you know, over a dozen Jedi in her time as an Inquisitor. And she was she was ready to torture her child two episodes ago. And now, all of a sudden, she sees a boy in the same position that she was in with Darth Vader or Anakin Skywalker. And now, she wanted to kill this boy to get revenge on his father. And now she decides, I shouldn't be doing this. This entire redemption was easily some of the worst stuff on this show and either on this show I have so many problems and I just found this to be such a cheap way to end this character it felt like by this point she was just so far gone they should have just straight up committed to her being a murdering psychopath because this what they decided to do here was an absolutely terrible choice and it really felt like they added this towards the end of the show to kind of set her up to come back for a potential season two because it really felt like she was she was really going to make her last appearance here, and she was really going to get killed by Vader. It almost felt like they reshot this entire Tatooine sequence within, like, the last four weeks because it almost didn't, doesn't feel natural for where this show is going. And even the way they kind of set up Haja dropping the little, you know, like, hologram thing he, that Obi-Wan has with Bail Organa, it just all felt so contrived and it kind of built up to this really bad way of wrapping up her part of the storyline but anyways moving along to some funner stuff we move back we see Darth Vader we see Darth Vader in his Mustafar castle and we see as a lot of people predicted Emperor 
Palpatine, played by Ian McDermott, which was confirmed in the credits. Palpatine shows up, and we get him doubting Vader with his, you know, that that was actually Master. And finally, well, actually, first before we get there, I just really liked seeing Palpatine. Now, it did look like there wasn't as much prosthetics, and there wasn't as much of hiding him as I would like when it comes to showing Palpatine post-prequel trilogy. But obviously, since we've seen him so many times, I mean, he just showed up in Rise of Skywalker, for God's sakes. They didn't really have to be that secretive with him, but I did like seeing Palpatine here. It was very satisfying, and I liked him talking to Vader, and my favorite thing was at the end. Although it was very abruptly added into the scene, didn't really feel quite, and felt like they were responding to the complaint, we finally get some classic Star Wars music with the Imperial March put into the end, which I thought was really satisfying to finally hear. And they even used the Force theme in the very next scene with Obi-Wan Kenobi as they're on Alderaan and they as they're on Alderaan and we get Leia pretty much like truly becoming the Leia we know. She's got a holster and obviously with no blaster because she's way too young. But I especially liked that we finally had this moment. We finally had Leia and Obi-Wan saying goodbye, although I thought it was sort of odd that she went to Lola first, even though they've built Obi-Wan and her have definitely built a relationship throughout this show. And I feel like this final bit didn't really show that as well as maybe I would have wanted. But I liked seeing Obi-Wan talk to Bale because obviously they're friends and seeing them in person. Really felt that connection this time around. I liked hearing the Force theme and liked Obi-Wan saying, may the Force be with you. And I think all of that worked well enough for me. And overall, this wrap-up of the show mostly actually really worked for me, even though I haven't been a big fan of the show. And I thought this episode overall was decent. But then we get into kind of what we've all been waiting for in many ways. Well, actually, before we get there, we get Obi-Wan talking to Owen and telling him he was right about how we should stay, keep his distance from Luke, and he very much trusts Owen now to take care of Luke. But we finally see Obi-Wan... First, we get Obi-Wan finally deciding to trust Uncle Owen. So now he's fully on board with trusting him for, you know, to take care of Luke. And really, the other main thing that I loved about the sequence was how we finally actually got to see Obi-Wan meeting Luke at a young age. And we even get to see Owen as Obi-Wan's walking away saying, do you want to meet him after he says, you know, that Owen saying to himself quietly, you know, that... I will take care of him. And I think this is what De- Deborah Chow, the director of this series, is actually really good at. And that is creating these quiet character moments in these larger-than-life shows, which is what these are because it's a Star Wars show. So I love how they have these moments of Uncle Owen just zooming in, him saying quietly, you know, I will take care of him. And then asking him to come. And then we get Obi-Wan walking up and him saying hello there, which just needed to happen in the show. I'm surprised it hadn't happened to this point. And it was just, I just liked hearing that coming out of you and McGregor again. And we don't get to see the interaction, but we do get to see them finally meet up. And then as Obi-Wan rides off on his little creature, we finally get to see Liam Neeson return as Qui-Gon Jinn, which is what we've all been waiting to see. It's been setting up. They, they've, set, they've set this up. And we see him, and it's, it doesn't really fulfill what we would have wanted to see from this. And I feel like they should have probably announced that Liam Neeson was returning for an advance. We could have had an old, a whole episode between the two and him learning to communicate. And I thought that would have been more interesting than just leaving it for a two-second cameo at the end. We just get him saying that he's been waiting for a long time. And there's been, he's, Obi-Wan's been delaying their meeting, and he's 
really, and you can just feel the connection between these two characters, even though it's just a force ghost. And I just love seeing Liam Neeson back in a Star Wars show. I just wish it was more, in more, it was a bit more exciting to see him and a bit more meaningful to the story because none of this story has really been about getting to Qui-Gon. It's more just Obi-Wan's journey, which I can at least appreciate. And again, I think that's where Deborah Chow exceeds in these shows is making these really great character moments because it reminds me of the Mandalorian season one, episode three, where we got Mando going on his ship, getting ready to leave. And then we can just tell from the camera, from the slow movements of him, that he's doubting leaving Grogu with, um, with uh, Werner Herzog's character on, on Navarro. I don't remember the name, but that's kind of what it reminded me of, some of these character moments. And I think that's where the show has excelled the most, is when Obi-Wan is when the show is quiet and dealing with very soft character moments. So overall, when it comes to the finale, that is the end. There is no post credit scene. There's no tease for a season two, although I'm still guessing we will see a season two sometime in the future because of how well the show's done. And I would not have said that about two weeks ago. Overall, I thought this episode was a satisfying enough and decent end to the series. But as a whole, the show was majorly disappointing. And this has easily been the show of Disney Plus that at first I was most anticipating, but also the one that's disappointed me the most and the one that has really frustrated me the most. Because I still think Book of Boba Fett might be the worst show, but I think this show had way more promise. And I wasn't very excited. I've never been a big fan of Boba Fett. Obi-Wan Kenobi. I just wanted more from this episode more from the show in general, although I did enjoy this episode for the most part. This show just felt very clunky. It didn't feel like they had a narrative thrust throughout the show. And it just felt like such an underwhelming way to continue Obi-Wan's story. And if we do get a season two, I really hope they can do better than this. And I'm just going to leave it at that here. So with that said, guys, thank you guys so much for following along this journey of Obi-Wan Kenobi reviews. I will be talking about episode three of Miss Marvel tomorrow. So make sure to come back for that. Hope you guys enjoyed the show more than me because I found it majorly disappointing. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'll catch you all next time. Bye-bye.